This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Sunday, February 26th edition of the PFF Forecast. We are um, preparing for Combine Week. Brad and Arjun joining me. They are going to be going and um, putting on their peacoats to enjoy what is Combine Week in Indianapolis. So if you're out there, um, you want to make sure you go say what's up. They'll be at Prime until at least 4 a.m. That's the those, those are the rules. I don't make them. I'm just telling you what they are. We're going to talk about the draft. Um, Brad has done some really cool work on looking at what trends uh, teams have GM wide around uh, how they pick, and how they draft, and we'll talk about those. And we're going to do a little division futures, kind of pseudo guess the lines. So we're going to talk about um, teams that we like, uh, division futures we expect to come out in the next week or so. So we're preparing for that. And then we'll wrap up with uh, the things that we're betting right now. Let's wrap. approaching um you guys are going to be doing the lord's work i expect at least uh per day one nugget that you have that we can bet on it's i don't think that's asking too much um arjun i think you as the uh as the youngster of the group like you need to be out there you need to make sure you're up until four or five a.m at prime that's when that's when the rumors spread you hear doug peterson or uh whoever it might be i just mentioned him because i just have this vision of him standing at the prime bar uh and you just gotta you just gotta keep your ear to the ground and let us know what you hear yeah i'm, I'm getting all my sleep in over the weekend and on monday before i head out because i know i'm probably not going to sleep much there and definitely gonna really hopefully really enjoy first experience at the combine uh, meeting everyone, meeting analytics people, NFL coaches, hopefully scouts, whoever I meet. Hopefully, it's a good time and excited to bring back whatever information I have to the to the table here. You'll learn real quick too uh, after the fact. Unfortunately, you know, for the following year, you know who to actually trust and listen to, and who you know was passing on the scuttlebutt they heard. You know, late night at the at the dinner table that they you know overheard some bad intel. So you you learn quickly. Um, but it's it's a glorious week ahead of us. Can't wait to get down there. Uh, Brad, did you ever spend a spring break in college at the combine? I couldn't respect Arjun more. That's that's a businessman right there. Uh, I, yeah. I spent my spring breaks near a body of water, and I remember very little of the experience, but I know it was a hell of a time. <laughs> it, interestingly, I did see a fair number of NFL players in Cabo during my spring breaks, but uh, <laughs> didn't get didn't get much intel. Um, I'll tell you my uh, my favorite combine story uh, at the end of the podcast. I have a good one. I think members of the printing press may have heard it previously, but it's from way back. It's from my first combine ever, which feels like ages ago. But it is a great uh, it is a great story. So remind me at the end. We'll talk about it. Let's let's jump into the draft. So we talked about this at the end uh, of the last uh, episode where. 
you know, people are kind of just willy nilly mocking players to teams and, you know, no one really puts a ton of thought into this. It's kind of the, you know, what can I get clicks on uh, sort of situation and looking at how the way teams have acted in the past can help us, you know, predict uh, what they might do in the future. So Brad, you, you put together some research here just to set the table. Let me kind of go over where some of the odds stand right now. Uh, number one overall pick, broadly the same. Anthony Richardson is 750 plus 750. Carter has moved down to nine to one. I've seen him at 10 to one in a few spots. Uh, Willie Anderson, 10 to one. Bryce Young, of course, the favorite at minus 150. CJ Stroud, uh, plus 350. Will Levis, plus 650. First quarterback selected. This one's interesting because Anthony Richardson is also uh, plus 750. Um, Bryce Young, minus 175. CJ Stroud, two to one. Will Levis, plus 650. Um, first wide receiver selected. Not a ton of movement there. Quentin Johnson, plus 120. Jordan Addison, plus 250. Um, first defensive player selected. Not surprisingly, Jalen Carter is plus 110. Will Anderson, plus 135. Tyree Wilson is five to one. Interestingly, uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him going ahead of Will Anderson in his recent mock draft. Um, so that'll be something to monitor. Uh, and then my favorite one, which is which team will draft Bijan Robinson. And I'll save that one for uh, <laughs> after your uh, assess Brad, because I think there'll be some interesting takes there. Um, and we expect to see team players. So which player will a team draft or which position will a team draft coming out soon? So this will help us prepare for that and be ready to pounce on those when we see value. Yeah, so there is a ton of value here because, look, a lot of these draft markets that we've talked about are not very sharp. It's a lot of people going on media narratives on what they want their team to do. And last piece on they look at a roster. They say, OK, this roster is deficient in that they have not spent premium draft capital and or a lot of free agent dollars on this position. Therefore, they must do that when the actual takeaway should be. Therefore, maybe they don't prioritize that. And so you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles having these, you know, these these odds for Bijan Robinson and no one else. I think it's literally the only reason is, hey, Philadelphia has two first round picks at 10 and 30, 31 or 30. Um, they have a great roster. Everyone knows they have a great roster. So, hey, let's just drop in a running back at 10th overall because, yeah, it's the last piece they need to get over the hump. The, the only reason they lost to the Chiefs was because they didn't have as we all know, Bijan Robinson <laughs> on the roster. So, but even more so, I think my thing is, I think I remember it last year where off ball linebacker was one of the higher odds for the Eagles. They came into the year, Kaiser White on a one year flyer, $3 million in some incentives, TJ Edwards, same thing. Um, and, and they do not spend money or premium draft capital there ever. They have not done it the entire Harry Roseman era. They've never spent 10 million per year on, on an off ball linebacker and they just don't invest there. So it, it's a great trap for a lot of people to fall into. And you can counter it where when those markets drop, I would imagine Offensive line and defensive line for Philadelphia. If you see them as, you know, maybe the third or fourth position on the what position is Philadelphia going to take? You got to, I mean, it's a slam dunk opportunity. In the last 10 drafts, they've taken four defensive linemen. They've taken attack, two tackles, uh, including Andre Dillard, who is not going to be there next year. Lane Johnson said on a podcast recently, he's got two, maybe three years left. They're also a team that prepares for the future. So, Long answer short is just keep out. There's another market where you can take advantage of it. Don't look at what you think they need. Go look at what they've done. They they have tells um, and they have tells for a reason. I would, I would agree there. And with the Eagles, like in, in me and Brad's free agent predictions article, we had um, Isaac Siamalu going to the Los Angeles Rams. And I mocked Dalton Reisner going back to the Eagles. So Eagles would save a little bit of money there. 
uh, at the guard position. But in free agency, if they're not addressing the guard position, they do have a hole at right guard, assuming Jason Kelsey retires and then Kim Jurgens becomes the starting center. So they're going to need a guard. And, you know, if they choose not to address it in free agency, they're sitting at a prime position at 10, where it probably isn't the greatest value to take a guard at 10. But if they take someone like Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, which some people have pegged him as a guard, or, you know, potentially being a guard, he could play guard the first couple of years, kick, kick out to right tackle when Lane Johnson retires. And that's how proactive the Eagles have normally been. So even though taking a guard at 10 may not be the best value on the board uh, in the first couple of years, eventually it could grow to be like a surplus value pick um, if Skaronsky develops into a quality tackle. So that's something to keep in mind there. And I think that's a great point by Brad about how you should be looking at draft trends, not like what the current state of the roster is. Last year at 13, they took Jordan Davis. I think I'm getting that that pick number correct. Um, yeah. D lineman out of Georgia. And I think for that reason, right, if you were to kind of project ahead what those odds will look like coming out, you know, maybe in the next couple of weeks, given that they picked a defensive lineman last year, given that they're already the favorite right now to draft Bijan Robinson, which uh, I'll just go ahead and mention what those odds are. Right now, so team will draft B. John Robinson. This is on DraftKings. Eagles plus two seventy five. Bills. I mean, this is just a list of teams who are good uh, and and have like no specific holes to fill. Uh, Buffalo Bills at four to one. Then you've got the teams uh, where it's just like I have no idea. Let's just put them on here. The Dallas Cowboys at five to one. The Falcons at plus seven fifty. Lions twelve to one. Ravens twelve to one. I mean, no one has a clue what's going on in this market. Um, the uh, the idea that the Eagles would take a, a running back, I think, is kind of hilarious. Um, Brad, let me ask you this, though. Given that they took a defensive lineman last year, um, you know, you said you said those four of the last 10 drafts, I think they took a, a D lineman. Um, yep. Is there is there a specific like lineman that you would look at and you go, oh, this is the this is the lineman you know type of lineman that would, would make sense? Because Jordan Davis, huge run stuffing guy. Do you think they'd actually double up on that kind of a player? No. So I think you would look for, look, Javon Hargrave is one of the top free agents in the entire market. I'm sure they're going to try to get a deal done with him. His deal did already void. So they have this big dead cap hit. They have in the past still signed guys after that date hit. But look, Fletcher Cox might not be back. Javon Hargrave might not be back. In the middle of the season, they go out and sign Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph. Like, they clearly think it is a bit of a deficient spot, and four of the dudes I just mentioned will not be there next year. So they have Milt Williams, a third-round pick from a couple of years ago, who's been solid in a rotational capacity. I would say this, too, though. I think Edge on the table as well. Um, bring back Derek Barnett on a two-year deal. He gets hurt almost immediately. Yes, they have Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, but Brandon Graham, maybe we see him on the way out. Um, you know, another expiring deal. So they just clearly value it so much and want to continue. That's the thing too, is like, you want to continue to be good at where you've been good at in the past because mm-hmm. you start to construct your roster mm-hmm. around the idea that you are strong in a certain area. And then if you have that viewpoint, that perspective, like you almost want to make sure your depth is sound there. Everything is sound in that, in that area. So, you know, as for a particular name, I would say this too, it's kind of a bit of a tangent, but you mentioned they traded up for Jordan Davis. They traded down for Devontae Smith, actually down and back up. They also very well could move. And I think teams or people also peg these, hey, this guy keeps going in this range in a mock draft, so I'm going to pick this position. Look at which teams trade, because some teams trade every year like the Eagles. Some teams never trade like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, But long answer short, I, I think you are looking at, if they're sitting there at 10 still, let's say, 
Um, you know, we, you see the guy like Brian Breesy at Clemson. I know he's all over teams' boards. Some have him way lower. Some have him pretty high. Um, there's some injuries there, of course. Um, but I think that could be a possibility. And then you look at some of the other edge rushers in this class. You know, a guy like Keon White keeps getting mocked super high by like the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world, kind of more of a project a type of player in this in this draft. Like, you know, just just it, look look at also like size measurables, all those things, because that does factor in heavily as well. I think Brad, we got to consider, you know, our Brown King Omar Khan might be different than Kevin Colbert and how he operates the draft. Even though they come from the same regime, I understand, but you know, Omar might be a little bit different there. Um, but I think that's a great point. And also with the Eagles, um, you know, J- Jonathan Gannon's game was relying on his players winning a lot of one-on-one matchups. He didn't really stunt a lot, so they need like legitimate guys to like run that defense well. And if they let guys like Hargrave and Cox go, like they have to be able to fill it either in the draft with the high-quality player or in free agency with someone who's not going to get as much money as as uh, Hargrave, but someone who's you know a, a starting caliber player. So I think that's a good point, and I don't really know who's who Gannon's replacement is going to be, but if they run a similar scheme to Gannon, I think they they are going to need to address the defensive line because they're going to lose a lot of sacks from that 70-sack group uh, from the regular season. But guess how many times they sacked Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Goose egg. Zero. So if you think the narrative is they're a running back away in that building, then, you know, please let me know who you're, you know, where, what are you smoking and where are you getting it? Because um, that's got to be some powerful stuff. Here's, uh, I I just want to bet a little bit on this market because I think it's so ridiculous and so misshapen. So I was kind of thinking through where it might make sense for Bijan Robinson to go, if you lean into this narrative that he's going to go way higher than, you know, people kind of expect. I think that the term is don't be surprised. NFL teams wouldn't be surprised if he went top 10. I'd be pretty shocked if he went top 10, mm-hmm. but I was doing some mock drafts. This is the way I prepare. I just do mock drafts on the uh, PFF mock draft simulator because it is the most well calibrated thing you can find. Thanks to the work of Brad and Timo and the rest of the group. Um, and I, the Texans at 12 were interesting to me and I'll tell you why they were. And I, I, you know, excited to hear what you guys think about this. D'Amico Ryans comes in. I think everyone's going to assume that they're going to draft defensively at that pick. Um, but D'Amico Ryans coming from the Shanahan offense, what has Shanahan consistently done overdrafted running backs? Um, so there's that. Uh, the other thing is Texas. Uh, the Texas, you know, uh, connection, obviously Robinson was a longhorn and uh, Houston is in Texas. Um, and you've got that speed on the outside. You pair him then with a quarterback, you presumably draft at number two. So you kind of have that, you know, weird belief that that's some sort of, you know, great way to reset your offense. You have this new stud quarterback and, and running back. The uh, Jaguars did it super effectively um, at 12. They are 28 to one to draft Bijan Robinson on, on DraftKings, which compared to the Eagles at, at plus 275, I just thought was kind of hilarious. What, what do you guys think about that? And if you were to pick a team or you were to place a bet in this market, are there, is there any value? That yeah. So see? I would, I, I would jump in and it's funny. I would push back and say Damian Pierce, I think was good enough last year to oh, yeah. probably go with him. But then I also, there's a lot of examples in recent history of here's one example, not as good as Damian Pierce, but like Michael Carter in the, for the jets has a good rookie season and they just go ahead and trade up and take your, your favorite player, Brees mm-hmm. Hall like, immediately after. So like I rarely are teams content with like good. I, I think Pierce is maybe better than a Michael Carter, but nevertheless, like, 
I think that makes sense. I wouldn't be shocked, and they have more things to address, but if the Giants do move on from Saquon Barkley, which I think they are going to at this point, and he's on the board at 26, uh, I could see them pull the trigger there. Giants are 50 to 1. 50 to 1, okay. Because, I mean, yeah. if they get rid of Saquon, which, like I said, I, I, as every day passes, I think it's more likely – a, they don't have much there, like Gary Brightwell. Like, there's not much there. And then B, um, yeah, it just it, it'll be one of those. I think he's had two where it's like, yeah, we took running back in the first round, which a lot of people poo-poo on, but he was a top ten grade for us. When we got him mm-hmm. at twenty six, so you know, one of those type of things. <laughs> Chargers are forty to one, Arjun. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm good. I I would hate the pick person. I mean, I love the player. I would just hate the value, um, but. Uh, here, here's an interesting one. I think so. I think Dalvin Cook could be a potential cap casualty for the Vikings. They let, go on from him. You have Alexander Madison, and that's space. I think uh, I forget their third running back, but you have Alexander Madison as your starting. He's a free back. agent too. Free agent, Sorry, yeah. So yeah. they don't have anyone. So they could go out and you know make a play in free agency, sign some like mid tier guy. They are picking twenty fourth, so it's a little bit lower. But the Vikings at twenty to one is intriguing. Now look, they have Kwesi at, at GM. He's an analytics mm-hmm. GM. He shouldn't be taking running backs in the first round, but he comes from the Niners, which, you know, Kyle, like I, I think it was more Kyle Shanahan than John Lynch that wanted to, you mm-hmm. know, trade up for running backs. They, but they always drafted running backs. It seemed like at least in like day two goes to the Browns where they signed Nick Chubb to a top of the market deal. So they obviously value running backs in Cleveland. He's, you know, the Vikings roster isn't great and I don't think a running back pushes them over the edge, but he, I mean, that is a place where like they're, they're going to have a need and we don't, we haven't had enough data on Kwesi to kind of like make these like, Oh, you know, he values running backs or he values D linemen, but like he's come from places where running backs have been kind of valued by the front office. So I, I think that could be an interesting spot where, uh, you know, they have a hole and he could just be the best player on the board for them. And Kevin O'Connell's Rams started when Daryl Henderson, third round, Cam Akers, second yeah. round, what, mm-hmm. back-to-back years, maybe one year between them. But, yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, running back valuation from all those angles. And that worked out for them. Um, <laughs> winning the Super Bowl. got a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's proven. Um, let me throw one out here that you uh, made me think about this, Arjun, with your uh, Vikings talk there. What's another team that – has had a stud running back that lost a stud running back this year. It's the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Now that would be absolutely, it would just be so funny, but I think for all the reasons you'd expect them not to draft a running back, like you might say, Oh, they could take one. They're also 20 to one. Um, The commanders are 50 to one. They're picking at 16. I, I like the way that you're thinking about it, Brad, in terms of how would a GM rationalize this? Oh, he was the fifth best player on our board. We're picking at 16. You know, we're yeah, this is this is why it made sense. Um, which and would, also a great example of look, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are not an impediment to him getting drafted. Right. Like I people look at those things and think they are, they're mm-hmm. not. They're both good players. It just they're not Bijan Robinson, and that's how that's how teams view these things. Yeah. Um, I like the I like the command. I've talked myself, I am a Damian Pierce believer. I oh, just yeah as a member of like the elite running, I think there's in the league we've seen, there's just this different view of elite running backs versus every other kind of running back. I mean, a a guy like Zeke, for example, who manages just Tony Pollard is so much better than Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott keeps getting trotted out there because there's this mystique around those types of running backs. 
Um, but I think I like Commanders 50 to 1. Um, I got to so hold on. Before you move on, now I got to jump in. This is the pre-combine special. Where you mentioned Damian Pierce. Maybe my favorite memory of the combine was, if folks don't know, there's a media section next to where they do the bench press, and no one bench presses anymore. They all say, hey, they walk up to a mic. They make them all go up to a mic <laughs> and say, hey, my name is blank. I'll be doing bench press at my pro day. I'm not doing it here. So it's running back day. Literally 30 dudes in a row walk up to the mic and say, hey, I'm Joe Schmo. I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the bench press. Thanks for having me. Damian Pierce walks up. He's like, I'm doing the bench press. The whole place goes nuts. And he, he was the only running back in the whole thing to do it. I put up like 20-something reps. Anyway, legendary performance out of Damian Pierce. It's the type of grit that Lovey Smith felt. In that <laughs> exactly. Uh, are there – so we talked about the Eagles a little bit. Are, are there other um, kind of trends or team or GM level kind of analyses or um, you know uh, sort of ways of drafting that you think are – um, salient here for this draft, Brad. One other one that I found interesting, both the Lions before Brad Holmes, but also the LA Rams, you know, with Lesneed and Brad Holmes were also heavy on defensive line. They're sitting there at six. I know we love mocking a bunch of, mm -hmm. you know, cornerbacks mm -hmm. to them as well. They obviously do value that position, especially in LA. They've always kind of cycled through day two picks on, on secondary players, but their interior still is not quite there, and I think that could be, you know, Michael Brockers, they finally move on from him, um, was the captain, the veteran. They've had some young guys. Um, Ali McNeil's a good player. Levon Muzurike keeps getting hurt, former second-round pick. They're sitting there at six. They have 18 as well if they want to go a little flashier and go receiver or corner or something like that at 18. Um, they both, you know, like I said, Holmes and the Lions have gone heavy on defensive line in the last, you know, decade. Hmm. A defense that got shredded this year as well, right? Um, the other thing to, to keep in mind here that I was going to bring up is the uh, – you saw this with Jordan Davis last year. There are only so many guys in the world that are massive and athletic and can do the certain things that truly elite defensive tackles, uh, offensive tackles, you know, those guys can do. I think you see that show up in the draft where corners tr tend to get pushed down Um the board a little bit and guys that are just physical specimens get moved up. Um, and so I think that's a, a kind of way of, um, you know, heuristic for thinking that through um, any others that come to mind for you, Arjun, that you're looking to pounce on when those markets get released. Um, no, I think, I think we covered it well. Um, yeah, I think, I think we covered it well. Your, your chargers taking B. John Robinson. I just can't. <laughs> that's, Eckler's that's getting luck. older. He, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> that'd be that'd be incredible not not um, breaking okay. any yeah i'm not breaking any news but i i could i could see the chargers extending austin eckler sometime that this mm -hmm. offseason to free up some cap space so that's that's something that could happen and i think it would take Bijan off their board but you know we never know i think it's coming yes. wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right next uh next segment we got here we're going to talk about division uh title future so you don't see those markets out there right now. There are um, markets for the Super Bowl and for the conference championships, uh, but you will not find them for division yet. And so we don't have them out. We're not going to guess the odds on all of the division futures. That would be incredibly boring. So what we're going to do is kind of go around the horn and talk about some of the teams that we are anticipating betting on because of perhaps where the price might be might not be the favorite. We think they should be the favorite um, and set ourselves up to uh, take advantage of when those markets 
do come out, which we'd expect to happen in early March. Um, so Arjun, why don't we start with you? What are you thinking about? Yeah, so um, I'm going to be following up in the steps of Dr. Eric Eager, and we will be betting on the Detroit Lions if they are if they are plus money, which they probably will be. Assuming I'm assuming Rodgers comes back, but even if he isn't, I think there is a lot of uncertainty in that division. But if the Lions are plus money, I will be betting them. And a part of this is they got Ben Johnson back. I think he's one of the best offensive coordinators, just play callers in the league right now, did a tremendous job. Lions being a top five passing offense per EPA per play with Jared Goff at quarterback and a large majority of the season without DJ Chark and Jamison Williams is incredible. And that speaks to how good uh, Ben Johnson was, how good their offensive line was. They're returning, you know, Sewell, Sewell and uh, De- uh, now and Decker, three very, very good offensive linemen. Jamison Williams, first full offseason, Goff another season in the system. I just think their offense is going to be rolling and they should have some defensive improvement, assuming they address positions like corner and D line in the draft. And I just think, you know, the Lions showed last year that they're a team that can hang around and, and you know, battle with some of the, the elite teams in the league, like Buffalo uh, on Thanksgiving. And I think if they open up a plus money and to me, I think they're going to open up as the favorites to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they will be a team I will be backing uh, with the division to win the conference. Right now on DraftKings, Lions are 11 to 1, Vikings are 14, and Packers are 14 to Mm -hmm. 1. So that speaks to what you're saying. It looks like they will be the favorite, which is amazing to think about. Um, But it seems like there's enough bunching there that they could be a plus money favorite. Um, You know, kind of similar to what we saw in maybe the... uh, If you was. Yeah, exactly. Um, Last season, uh, which would make sense. And I, I wonder if they'll release those division futures without uh for, for that particular division without rogers future um mm-hmm. you know being announced or if they'll just kind of because that's a i mean that's a big one i would expect if if rogers comes back i would expect the packers to be the favorite brad let's go to you next yeah there's there's one i love uh again like you said we don't know these yet but um it's the dallas cowboys and i think look they're definitely not gonna be the favorite that'll be philadelphia and then because the Giants, hey, they won a playoff game. Woo! And then the commanders were mm-hmm. solid. And maybe they're building some traction. And maybe they go land a quarterback or do something. They'll, they'll get enough, enough respect to at least factor into the market. Um, so I think Dallas could be, you know, maybe second, maybe even close to third with the Giants. Look, they were bottom 10 in cash spending last year. They made a bunch of moves to go the opposite direction. Obviously, moving on from Ari Cooper for nothing. You know, they, they went through a lot. They, they brought in a bunch of young players that did contribute that I think are going to get better as time goes on. Um, Sam Williams, Tyler Smith, some of the young corners they've had that have started to play a little bit better. Um, and they're just, look, they're one of the better drafting teams in the NFL. They always are. Uh, and I shouldn't say always, of course. It's not always, but they are. I mean, Will McClay in Dallas is the most hidden gem in all of, you know, per- personnel. Um, and, and I just think they're just, look, it's hard to re- repeat. We know these things, all these trends and yada, yada of, you know, Philadelphia losing the Super Bowl, all those things. I, I just think we're going to get like a what, 250 plus 275, maybe, you know, type of range. Um, and I like that a lot for Dallas. The one that I like is, so I actually like them to win the division. We talked about them last week and I placed uh, a little futures bet on uh, Falcons 35 to one to win the NFC um, predicated on a couple of things. The the first being that the division stinks. So that'll be interesting. The Saints 22 to one and the Bucks 25 to one to win the NFC. Um, I think they should be a little more closely bunched. But this is also a Lamar Jackson, you know, to Atlanta. 
uh, play. So that that's one that I that I do like. I think those that division being you know the worst division, there really shouldn't be a ton of separation there. So if you can get them at maybe three or four to one. I think that would be uh, I think that will be a value. Um, the the other one that I was looking at a little bit is there's a lot of question around the 49ers quarterbacks. You've got Trey Lance, who is coming back from a catastrophic leg injury and looked not great when he was playing last year. You have Purdy coming back from an elbow issue. As good as that team is, and they're the favorite to win the NFC right now, which I think is a little bit aggressive. Um, short of Tom Brady coming back from uh, from retirement, out of retirement, that, that to me is a little bit steep. And so I look at a team like the Seahawks who drafted, had a really good draft last year, um, have more draft capital to deploy again this year. You know, do they bring Gino back? That's another year of consistency there. Do they bolster their receiving core? They've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but they would have, I mean, you'd have to say this, like they would have probably the best quarterback uh, going. I mean, I, I don't know. It depends what you think of Kyler Murray, but like as crazy as that sounds, right? So if you get them at a, at a really big plus number, I, I do think there's some value there just with how crazy, um, uh, you know, unknown there, there is uh, the quarterback position for the, for the Niners would be. One um, more, one more note there. Cause I was going to say that one. Uh, we do something where we track these snaps lost to free agency. We also put a dollar value on those snaps mm-hmm. based on positional value. How good mm-hmm. the player is. Yada, yada. Uh, the Cardinals and Niners were top five in that metric and the Rams were top 10, which sounds surprising, but it's a lot of dudes and the Seahawks are middle of the pack and they have all these young players, all these draft picks. So I love that one as well. Back around the horn, Arjun, another one that you like. Yeah, uh, first off, go check out that article by Brad. Uh, that, was yes. a, that was one of my favorite pieces uh, that he wrote for the offseason. But um, this one, like, it feels pretty obvious, but like, I'm curious to hear your guys' opinion on the max juice you would lay on the Jaguars to win the division. Because, I mean, the, the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans are the three – have the three longest odds to win the – to win the conference. So obviously the Jags are going to be, uh, they're not going to be plus money to win the division, but what's the like most juice you would, you would take to, for them to win the South. I, I would say just all the George give a number, but you might get value on just them being the Jaguars. Right. So people, the, the sticker shock of that name, but, but anyway, man, this is a, this is a good thought provoking question. Um, So let's set the table here. The Jags are 15 to one to win the AFC right now. Colts are 80 to one Texans are hundred to one and Titans are 50 to one. I said those in the wrong order, but they are the three least likely teams <laughs> to win the conference. So you've got to imagine they're going to be some pretty big uh, underdogs there. The Titans, I think are the only real kind of contender there. Why? Because Vrabel seems to know what he's doing. Um, and they I feel like last year, I mean, they had a, a lot of things not really go their way, but in particular, the quarterback situation, right, was was pretty dinged up. Man, um, my guess is that they will open minus 275. I was oh, going to say I would take 225 or something around. That's like the the longest I would go before I was like, this is just, you're just putting a bunch of money 
in escrow that you yeah. know <laughs> yeah so yeah so that, that's going to be my guess my guess the line division future um what, what would you make it right now arjun if you open that market yeah i would i would probably go like minus 250 and i would honestly assume it gets bet up to like minus 275 minus 300 just because I mean, the Colts and the Texans are looking for new franchise quarterbacks. The Titans could be in that situation. And like that might, they have the worst offensive line in the league already and losing their franchise left tackle. Like they're, it feels like they're rebuilding, but I also feel scared about, I, I like Mike Rabel is a tremendous coach in my opinion. And I think like you just, you can't count him out even if he has like a pretty bad roster. So I think the max juice I would lay is like minus 180 just because, you know, it is Mike Vrabel, and I think he could pull rabbit rabbits out of a hat, and he probably would have won the division if Ryan Tannehill didn't get hurt late in the year. I will tell you right now, by the way, a little, a little scoopage. Not really. It's not like it, it's not really developed. The Titans are as active in the quarterback market as any other team in the NFL right now. They are moving on from Ryan Tannehill. All it seems that way. Whether that's in the draft, whether it's a veteran, no one really knows. But they're making quite a few phone calls around the league to gauge everything. Interesting. What what do you think that points towards? I feel like a draft move wouldn't wouldn't shock me. They're sitting at eleven. I think if maybe someone falls to let's say I mean, Arizona at three would be the ceiling, but I, you look at Seattle at five. You look at Detroit at six. I think both of those are very interesting to me. Where if they think those teams don't want a quarterback and they want to jump, you know, Carolina, Vegas, Atlanta, whoever, I would not be surprised. And, and the thing is, it's now kind of a four quarterback operation. It seems like. Uh, with with young Stroud, Levis, and Anthony Richardson, and I think if one of those guys is there at five six, I think they could they could be the team to watch to move up and make uh, you know take one of those guys. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I thinking about this a little bit more. I think you said you'd open it up at like what would you say minus two hundred? Is that what you said, Arjun? Minus twenty five. Minus two fifty. Minus two fifty. Sorry. So that would be what implied. Probably trying to do this in my head. Is that like seventy one? 70%? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think makes sense, right? So I think I'd I'd align with you there on something in that 225, 250 range. Yeah. Um, which is like yeah, like Titans, like the Titans defense, like they still got some dudes. Like it's mm-hmm. not like their offense will be probably horrific in 2023, but like their defense still has Jeffrey Simmons. I know Bud Dupree's a little bit, you know, overrated, but you know, you, you get hey, so back a couple sacks. Don't talk about my guy, Bud Dupree. <laughs> hey, Harold Landry didn't play yeah, a snap Harold, last yeah. year, so that he'll be back. That helps. McCre- McCreary's a, a you know, it's a solid young corner for them. Fult- they still have Fulton, Hooker, and uh, Bayard, still one of the top safety duos. Could bring back David Long. Like they, they could still have like a top five defense next year. And like I know defense doesn't win in the playoffs, but like you could scrape by like nine or ten wins by just having a, an elite defense. Uh, and like Derrick Henry could, you know, get you a, a win or two here or there. So I think like it is possible the Titans still are competitive, but it obviously all starts with the quarterback and we just don't know what that situation is right now. Mm-hmm. Brad, do you have another uh, division uh, that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing would just be the NFC South. Like if you're just trying to read tea leaves on quarterbacks, you know, again, they're all going to be bad teams. And I think mm-hmm. Derek Carr is going to be an New Orleans Saint. I guess that would probably that that might happen before the markets are are dropped. 
Um, but look, even though I, I love Atlanta, like I'm with you, I think they're the, the fun and better odds play. Um, the Saints could just go like nine and eight next year with Derek Carr and probably win mm-hmm. that division if, you know, Lamar is is not a future Atlanta Falcon. No, it, it makes sense, right? And and I was going to bring up the Jets here because the Jets, um, yeah, it's interesting. The Jets and the Dolphins have pretty much the same odds to win the AFC, but the Jets actually are are shorter, 14 to one, Dolphins 15 to one. Uh, Bills obviously are going to be the favorite in that division at four to one. And that's interesting because, you know, let's, let, let me just ask you guys this. So let's say who is the worst quarterback that the Jets could sign where you think they are a better chance, they should have a better chance to win the division than the Dolphins? Probably Hemi G, probably your boy. Yeah, I, I think it would be Jimmy. Um, Which they, is, I'm being respectful. That's, you know, I'm saying he I would could, still, go ahead, Arjun. But, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean to your guy. I could I could see Jacoby Brissett potentially being someone, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like he was in such a good situation with Cleveland last year, like a lead offensive line, like mm. tremendous run game to lean on. Like Stavansky was giving him open receivers to throw to. Like he was making throws, but like he still had like open guys. Um, I don't know if he's gonna get all of that in New York and like he'll have a good defense to lean on, but I don't know with Brissett, it's like, he's, he, he's always viewed as a bridge and like, we don't, we can't like attribute like the small sample sizes to a full season. So I would consider Jacoby, but I would say Jimmy would be like a, my firm answer. That's where I was going with that. And so to me, like, that's the backup plan. Like what is a better spot to go for Jimmy G than the jets? You have coaches, you know, you have, a good set of offensive weapons. Garrett Wilson is awesome. Um, you have a really good defense. I mean, this is this is 49ers East. <laughs> so, like, you should, you know, that would make sense to me. And it fits. You know, you could see that the the kind of the scheme fit and the 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 confidence there. Um, I think he's uh kind of destined for that spot. And so you know, I think the question is there, would you would you bet the Jets not knowing who they w- will have a quarterback, knowing that if their backup option is Jimmy G, right? And that that's a guy that you would have them kind of with a real shot to win that division. I think that one is interesting. Um, the, the Bills, um, you know, I think everyone just assumes they're kind of Teflon with, with Josh Allen. And I think that's a good uh, assumption to make, but they're not without some you know, potential points of, uh, you know, real weakness. So what do I mean by that? Um, Stefan Diggs, they need another receiver. If Diggs, you know, can't get, gets banged up or has an off season or something like that, like that would be a huge issue. Uh, Josh Allen has been an iron man thus far, but I, I don't know, you know, like all those little things, I think those two teams are nipping at the, at the heels of the bills and so any little kind of variance there for the Bills, and, and I think one of those teams is a is a legit contender. So I kind of like if the if the Dolphins and Jets have similar odds, I think I would look to take the Jets, uh, assuming that they figure out something at quarterback that isn't Mike White. I like an idea of, of I'm not fading Buffalo, but of maybe poking holes in Buffalo. My only thing is when you tell me the Jets have shorter odds than the Dolphins, to me. That is like that. That has Derek Carr priced in. That has Jimmy Garoppolo priced. Pri- yeah, that's kind of my only thing. Yeah, yeah. 
And it, it what I, I should think at least speak I to hope is it does. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. So I like Mike McDaniel a ton. I love the pieces that the Dolphins have. How can you bet on the Dolphins this year? Like, I, Tua, I mean, I hope the guy, like, stays healthy, right? This last, if you come out of this year, one of the things that no one is talking about that I think people should be talking about is this, like, Tua had about as rough a year as any human in, in the National Football League not named DeMar Hamlin, right? Um, he, yeah. he got destroyed. Uh, this season and I, the idea that there was no shot right that he was playing in the in the first round of the playoffs or probably the second round um is i think indicative of how how scary that situation was i mean if you're expecting him to play quarterback for the entirety of next season that is probably not in your favor the odds are not in your favor then. and even if we ignore the the head issues which obviously are most serious and most scary i mean had the hip injury the ankle injury in college was always kind of dinged up early pro career as well like mm-hmm. it's not like he's this is the first time he's had health things keep him out for a couple games so yeah they, they are fragile you like you want to like them and buy in on them but there's definitely fragility there yeah and like armstead i mean he missed time last year and like he's mm-hmm. he's been missing time and like that's a case where the drop off between him and whoever the backup is, is 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 massive like that's like a that's a huge drop um and i mean i obviously don't wish injuries on any player but like i feel like an injury to hill or waddle like would just take all the life out of this offense like you the, the reason the dolphins are so dangerous is because of the speed they have on both sides of the of the field or if they line them up on the same side and you take one of them away and you are allowed to double Tyreek similar to like kind of what the Bengals did and against the Chiefs multiple times and I don't know if if two is the quarterback to kind of elevate the fourth or fifth receiver in that offense so um hey that's an interesting one I I still really believe in the coaching and I mean McDaniel and Fangio are as good as they come and I think like Mm -hmm. that they will see a lot of positive defensive regression with you know Fangio playing a lot less uh, schemes that are that invite a lot of variance, which Josh Boyer loved to do uh, last year. One more. You know, my, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So I was going to ask you, Brad, on the Jimmy G thing. I was thinking about this more, and we don't know what's going on uh, from the Dolphins' standpoint. I don't know if you have any insight into what you're hearing around Tua, but like that's another place where it would make so much sense for Jimmy G to go, where he knows the McDaniel offense, he has a ton of, you know, spend a lot of time with them and could just go in there and throw 10 yard, five yard passes that he'll model and they'd run free. Um, but do you have any insight on, on like the Tua situation with him? I do not, but I will say this. I don't know if the market is developing for Jimmy Garoppolo the way he maybe had hoped. Um, mm. And if he thought there was an easy, not easy, but he thought, he thought it was a guaranteed starting job for him this offseason, I'm not certain there is. I think there could be. We talked about the Jets, obviously. But if there isn't, what? why would you go anywhere? Let's say you don't get a starting job. Why would you go anywhere else but Miami with Mike McDaniel with a right. path to maybe playing a, a bunch of games, right? Yeah, because of the Tua stuff. Um, this was, so I was going to ask you this, Arjun, the other place where there's a lot of QB uncertainty is the Raiders. And you obviously have no QB uncertainty with, um, well, you maybe have some uncertainty with the Broncos, but probably not around (laughs) who's actually going to start. And you have none with the, with the Chargers and the Chiefs. How would you price out that division right now that the Raiders are 25 to one to win it? I think there's a lot of steam behind potentially Rogers there, but like, if there is no Rogers, do you drop down to Jimmy G and what does that difference look like? 
What, what do you make of that division? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think Rodgers played at a at a high level last year. It wasn't like his MVP levels, but I think he was still a pretty good quarterback. So if they trade for him, I think that definitely increases the ceiling of their offense. The problem is, you know, they have a lot of cap space right now. And say they tag Josh Jacobs, trade for Aaron Rodgers, they lose a first round pick. That defense is still horrific. Like that is a really, really bad defense. And I mean, Rockison is a free agent. I think is a free agent. So like yep. they're gonna lose him. And their secondaries was already in shambles last year. And like they don't have really a replacement for him uh, outside of Max Crosby. Honestly, there isn't really like a blue chip person on their defense. Chandler Jones didn't really do anything except that one game against the Chargers. Trevon Morig, I feel like hasn't done a lot for all the hype he got during draft season. So I think I think Aaron Rodgers will like. I think he is priced in a little bit, but because of how bad their defense is, I don't think they have the resources to upgrade it if they trade for Rodgers. They're not going to have a first-round pick in the draft, you know, assuming that that goes to Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I think it's already kind of priced in, and if they end up having to go with the Garoppolo, they'll still have some money left over in free agency to to make some moves potentially. But I, I don't really think Rodgers – like Rodgers will move the needle, but it isn't like a huge percentage jump in terms of implied odds just because their defense will still be bad. They'll still probably have a bad offensive line, um, even if the ceiling, like the right tail outcomes of their of their season could be very high, I think, or like, you know, end up being very good for them. I still think like the median outcome would, would be like the fourth best odds to win the division – conference whatnot mm -hmm. i have one more throwing a hypothetical at you guys that i'm in love with as yes. i thought of it now all right what odds would the pittsburgh steelers have to be for you to think there's value on betting them to win the afc north i'm i love that you th threw this out there because as you think about this because uh, i'll go to you arjun first so you can think about what you'd make it but just to go back to last year this was one of the long shots that i liked and the thought process was there's a lot of uncertainty with a Bengals team coming off of a really successful season, but how will they respond? Um, they, there's obviously some T Higgins questions. There's the Ravens obviously have a ton of questions. Um, and you have Mike Tomlin who like Mike Tomlin is the highest floor you can get in the NFL. Yep. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like, I, I, it's, it really is something special. So Arjun, I'll let you go first. Yeah, um, so I was just looking at their odds last year. So they were, um, I think, 10 to 1 to win the division last year. I think I would probably only bet if, if it was like 12 to 1 or 13 to 1. Really? I, I, I mean, because the Browns, I think the Browns will get better. Like, I, you know, whatever happens with Deshaun, I think, like, I think he was just, I think it was bad in 20, uh, this past season, but I think you, you know, I don't think he's like as bad as the numbers indicated. And he was put in some weird situations with weather, but, you know, Bengals will, will still really be really good. And even if the Ravens don't have Lamar, they still have probably the best defense in the NFL um, or one, at least one of the best defenses. And they have like, you know, they'll probably have a good offense with Todd Monkin calling the play. So also, I, I don't think, I think Steelers should have the longest odds to win the division. And I'd only price it in a, at about like 12 to one, 13 to one for me to even consider betting them. That's interesting. So, um, what would twelve to one? You're, you're saying it should be longer than it was last year. Um, yeah, which would oh, be yeah. I'm also like not that big of like I, I know Kenny Pickett had a lot of like great fourth quarters, but like mm -hmm. he put himself in those fourth quarters because he was bad. Oh in yeah, quarters yeah. one through three. So I'm not. I'm like kind of fading Pickett here, but I, I love Tomlin and like it, it's just like I'll never bet an under on a Steelers win total 
just because of the respect for Tomlin, but I am I will be fading Kenny Pickett, I feel like, a little bit this year. So here, as I think about this division, and I actually, I was going to say somewhere in the 10 to 1 range was what, you know, where I would be thinking they'd be priced at. So if it was something, you know, if it was 12 to 1, 13 to 1, maybe take a flyer. But what I then looked at was, let's look at the top of the AFC. Kansas City is plus 350. The Bills are 4 to 1. And the Bengals are 6 to 1 to win the AFC. I think you could make a strong-ish case that actually the Bengals have the potentially the easiest division here. And I'll, I'll, I'll take you through why that could be the case. Lamar goes somewhere else. Okay, that, that obviously uh, would help them out. But let's say Lamar comes back, but there's a new OC. He Let's say the whole offseason is this long contract situation, right? So he's not there. He's not learning the offense. It's a new... I don't think we can underscore the importance of the offense that you run with Lamar Jackson, because you have to take advantage of the fact that he is a superhuman athlete. So there are some question marks with Baltimore. Obviously you love Harbaugh and, and the environment there, but Cleveland Deshaun Watson was a Arjun. You can make all the excuses you want for Deshaun Watson. He was right. trash. He has never been good as a part of a winning football team. And no one on this planet has worse karma going for them. I mean, there probably are a few that I won't name here, but in the NFL, there aren't many people that have uh, more bad karma than than Sean Watson. Um, and, and, you know, when Jacoby Brissett outperforms you for a season uh, on basically the same sample size, like that's that's not good. And then, of course, the the Pittsburgh Steelers we just talked about and, and not being in love with Kenny Pickett. So you're going to have the Bengals. You know, I just think the pathway for the Bengals there, they could have easily fallen off last year. They did not. And Burrow looks to be a – I would say that the idea that Burrow is trust – you would trust Josh Allen more than Joe Burrow, I think, is maybe a little – is ridiculous. Like, Joe Burrow is an, it should be in that conversation. I don't think he's in the Mahomes tier. I think it's Burrow and Allen but they're right there. And I don't think you should have more faith in Josh Allen with the jets and the dolphins than you should with, with Joe Burrow in that division. I don't know if I have like a conclusion as to what I would actually bet them at, but um, I think six, like I would, if, if the bills are going to be four to one, the, the Bengals being six to one, I think is, um, is too, uh, too long. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, like you said, I think it is, crazy to have more faith in Josh Allen than Joe Burrow at this point. I mean, of course that can change week to week, month to month, whatever. But the funny thing was when you first said the AFC North could be the easiest path, I kind of thought you were crazy. And then it, well, once you finished talking, I was like, yeah, that's, that's definitely the case. I mean, even with everyone makes fun of the Broncos, but Sean Payton will have that team at least respectable. Um, and mm-hmm. then, I mean, yeah, the AFC East, like the Patriots could come in last in that division. So I, I think you're right. I do. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see what what happens. This is another reminder to go check out all of the great free agency content on pff.com. I'm not sure there are two people that are better equipped to uh, take us through free agency than you two guys. Um, and so I will just be here uh, learning and try not to sound too stupid. Um, but you can find all of Brad and Arjun's great work on pff.com, the free agency rankings, which are continually updated with uh, actual salary um, projections. You cannot find that anywhere else. And if you do, it's probably complete garbage uh, relative to what Brad does. So go check it out. 
on pff.com and of course the pff app pff plus subscription you can get for 20 percent off with promo code forecast um also a reminder the printing press discord guys i have a confession to make um i have yet to send out the merch um i have the hats i'm looking at them right here i have one right here i brought some to, to phoenix it gave one away and then left the rest of my bag like an idiot um but i'm getting those out this week so go join the printing press discord we're one shy of 700 which is another milestone we'll give out some more hats um and i'll be uh, i'll be sending those out uh, the link we've had some issues with the links so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to make sure that the link is updated in the youtube description that's one that you can use we'll make sure that ours are all updated as well so that they don't expire uh, and you guys can uh, can jump in. It'll be great with draft props because as soon as you get information, we will share it and uh, you'll be able to hop in and um, and get some value there uh, for this upcoming draft prop season. That said, there are no football games other than XFL to bet on. So we're going to close out the show with what we're betting on uh, right now. Um, I am fresh off uh, live betting, basically the, the equivalent of live betting the Chiefs when they're down in the NBA which is the the Los Angeles Lakers coming back from 27 down today um, against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, but in in all honesty, there are some other things out there that we do like to bet. Let's start with you, Arjun. You've been betting some NBA. Um, your Nuggets, as uh, I'm now calling them, were I think seven to one the last time we talked to win the, uh, to win the NBA championship. That was one that you liked. How are you feeling about your Nuggets? Yeah, well... I kind of watched them get manhandled by the Grizzlies yesterday, unfortunately. Uh, and it, it mm-hmm. was tough to watch. They they lost by like 20 or 30. So that's never a good sign. And their odds kind of moved, to, I think, seven or yeah, plus 750. So uh, moved against me a little bit. But I, I still think, you know, Nuggets will have, they're, they're going to have uh, the one seed. So home field advantage, which is huge in the NBA um, or home, co- home court, not home field. But yeah, I mean, otherwise I've just been, you know, just betting props here and there. Haven't been betting the volume I normally do just because it's right after all-star break. And I just wanted to get a feel for how some of the players are recovering there. But yeah, just, just NBA for me for now. And then once the division futures gets out, might start laying some money down, uh, in that area. Right. Oh, by the way, on your NBA thing. So the Grizzlies, I, I watched that game and I was thinking about you. Um, and John Morant, obviously saying he's not worried about anyone in, in the West, um, made me feel really good about my sons. Okay. My, my yeah. Phoenix sons, um, who I watched the game today against the Bucks. Giannis and KD both did not play. Um, the Booker, if Durant can ever get out on the floor, like Booker and Durant could be such a lethal combo. If they're both healthy, both those guys can shoot from like 40 feet out and it, we haven't really seen that combo outside of Golden State in a way where those guys are super dynamic. They're always on the floor. They can also get to the hole. Um, it might be enough to even bring the corpse of Chris Paul back <laughs> and have him playing some decent basketball. Um, but the other thing that I noticed is the freaking Kings are like, are in third place in the West. What, what is I? I have not been paying attention to the NBA enough uh, because they're. Your That's... boy Vladi Divots, dude, finally, finally getting it together. No, no, it's not. It's not. Is it Vladi? Oh, he got it's fired. He probably got fired. It's, no, it's, no, it's, um, not, it's not. It's some young dude. You're right. You're it's, right. it's the guy. His name is Monty McNair. He's actually yeah, a yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, he's great. Yep. He yeah, he was like winning guys... like competitions and shit. Like 
seven, eight years ago. And like now he's the GM of a NBA team. It's, it's lit. And killing it. I mean, get, getting, I don't know why Atlanta moves on from Herder and they just fired their coach. So they're obviously going the wrong direction. Uh, but dude, De'Aaron Fox, I, I I thought he was going to be worse with the short hair, but he, he's, he's pulled through mm-hmm. despite the haircut. They're, the Kings are fun. Yeah. The Kings are good. Um, the, the stories about the Kings when they, when Vivek first bought them were so good so so good <laughs> my, my personal favorite was so the story behind this is vivek ranadive who bought the kings it was like a, a tech billionaire or whatever it is um i'm not sure exactly what his company was but in silicon valley and he like so the story was that he just fell in love with the game of basketball because his daughter was playing um you know whatever basketball you know for some you know she's in second or third grade or whatever and this, one of the stories was that he legitimately walked in and asked the uh, the team if they would try a cherry picking strategy because it worked for his daughter's, you know, 10 and under team. Yep. <laughs> so they got off to a hot start. They've, uh, they've moved past that. Brad, what about you? What are your bets looking like? So I'm getting ready for the big golf tournaments. Nothing to report as of yet, but we will be bringing the heat for, for all the big golf tournaments. Have no doubt about it. Um, yeah, the Honda Classic does not qualify as a big golf tournament. Correct. Was it Correct. Christian Kirk's brother won the crazy uh, ending today, though. The Both league. guys just ch- you know chunking it up in the last hole, went to a playoff. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll be oh, ready. Really? We've been watching. We've been watching. All right, here's uh, so what you guys failed to mention is the best sport to bet on in the uh, NFL offseason gets started next week with Formula One. Um, they had testing this whole week. There's a lot of great content on um on Twitter, like Substacks that you can go read about this. A lot of people are doing some really cool stuff with analytics. Um, so I encourage you guys to go check that out. But here's where we stand for the F1 Drivers' Championship this year. We have Verstappen at minus 160, Lewis Hamilton plus 470, Leclerc is plus 470, George Russell's then 13 to 1, Carlos Sainz 25 to 1, Sergio Perez 28 to 1, and Fernando Alonso, who has been tearing it up, is 32 to 1. Everyone else is uh, basically insignificant there. Uh, when it comes to the uh, race next week, so this is in Bahrain, Max Verstappen minus 115, Leclerc is 3-1, to one, Carlos Sainz 10-1, to one, Sergio Perez also 10-1, to one. he had the fastest lap in testing, Lewis Hamilton 10-1, to one, and George Russell 20-1. to one. Um, they, I don't see, this is on FanDuel, I don't see any of the um, kind of top three, top six, top ten um, ones out there, but I'm just going to let you guys know. You guys were not with me for this podcast last year. I bet I had a pretty darn good year betting Formula One, but I bet on Charles Leclerc and Ferrari in every single race in which he would be leading. And then his car would just spontaneously combust and like literally blow up or like they would totally bungle how to go change his tires. And he would, they would lose because a pit stop went awry or their strategy just completely blew up in their face. But I'm not faced. I'm back at it again. They have a new team principal. They got rid of all the bad juju. Um, and so I just, I'm letting you guys know, I'm going to bet Leclerc three to one members of the printing press can now go fade the living hell out of that. There's no way he's winning this race. Um, the other value that I, I like here is Russell 20 to one, his teammate, Lewis Hamilton is 10 to one. They were basically just as fast last year. I think Lewis a little bit better, but to have that discrepancy in odds. So if that continues down through like, to finish top six, uh, top three, top six. I think Russell will be one that I I put a little bit of love on. And then Fernando Alonso has been absolutely cooking. 
uh, out there. And so him to maybe uh, do well in qualifying or a top 10, uh, top six uh, are some other bets I'm looking at. Both of you are going to get on board with the Formula One this yes. year. So I'm, I'm giving yes. you a week in of advance notice. You can go out and do some research. And on Wednesday, uh, we can come back. We can lock our bets in um, and be ready for uh, for a great Formula One season. It There's sounds a like new Charles Leclerc is survive out there as well. Go check it out. You were going to say? It sounds like Charles Leclerc is your uh, Atlanta Falcons of the F1. Mm. Just can't quit them. They just bungle yes. every. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The Ferrari, like I've always loved, uh, the, I mean, the Ferrari car is so good. It's just awesome. Um, so it's hard not to, not to like them, but, uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't turn out well for me. I've at least moved on last year. I also bet Lando Norris and McLaren a bunch mm-hmm. to not to win, but you know, to place. And they were just, they were awful and they looked terrible. They were like by far the worst, uh, the worst car out there during testing. So Joy, we're gonna make Rari uh our like the forecast team because they just hired this Indian dude as their new chief strategist. Oh, has, really? Like, a, Love yeah, it. Yeah, he has like a master's in like mathematical and theoretical physics from Oxford. So <sighs> must be a genius. So we know they're gonna be in good hands and hopefully they don't bungle it up when it comes to finishing out the race. There you go. Okay. Well, that makes me feel good because their strategy last year was uh left a few things to be desired. Let's put it that way. Um at one of the uh, accounts that I follow, uh, started following last year, who I would, that I really like, it's F, at F1 Data Analysis. Pretty easy to find. Um, but they put out some great stuff just on Twitter. You can learn a ton about what's going on. And if you look at the testing results, um, this uh, I put this in our uh, in our PFF F1 Slack. But Red Bull looked really good during testing. They had the fastest lap with Perez. Um, and Ferrari and Mercedes were a little disappointing, but with testing, the teams are trying out a bunch of different stuff. And so it's hard to kind of figure out whether those are indicative of what they'll actually run in uh, the upcoming race. And so both Ferrari and Mercedes use different types of wings, um, and they're different than the type of wing that they will likely use, uh, in the, in the track at the Bahrain Grand Prix, which is kind of like a mid downforce type of wing. And if you just think about it, it's like the, you know, how tilted is your wing, right? Is how much downforce you're going to get. And so Ferrari ran a super high downforce wing Now Ferrari ran a super low downforce wing. And so don't read too much into the, uh, the testing results. Um, both of them should be in, in better shape for, uh, for Bahrain. So this is just feeding the fire. Our, uh, team, team Ferrari in the printing press will be ready to rock. Love it. All right, that is uh, that is our podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. What'd you say? Just tell me what to bet, and I'll do it for F one. I'll just yeah, call yeah, you blind. That's, like... the, that's that's generally what the people want. Um, yeah. You just got to wake up early, Brad. That's the thing. Now, I'm the, up early, so I'm, I'm down for that part. Yeah, I I don't mind it at all. West Coast is kind of tough, but um, yeah, we'll make it happen. All right, that was the uh, the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out. We love you all. We will see you on Wednesday night. Peace out.